live from Liverpool, the Dark Paranormal, season 14. Hello everyone and welcome back to The Dark Paranormal Season 14, Episode 4. Firstly, a huge thank you to everyone who's reached out following this week's mini-sode. We've had a few comments saying it's the scariest mini-sode yet. And that's the entire point of why I do this podcast. Don't get me wrong, I'm completely aware there will be people out there thinking it wasn't scary in the slightest because fear is subjective. But the entire purpose is to highlight the bizarre, the strange, and more importantly, the dark side of the paranormal. Now, from doing this show, one thing that has been highlighted is there are a number of people out there who, for whatever reason, seem to attract the paranormal and paranormal activity. And whereas most people who submit an experience will say they've had that one experience, such as in this week's minisode, today's experiencer is one of those aforementioned people who seem to attract or have some sort of second sight in regards to the paranormal. And there are few occupations where you get the chance over the course of your career to step into many hundreds of people's homes. However, as a home contractor, today's submitter has one of those very careers, and they're going to share with us their experiences of the paranormal over their 20-plus year career. But before we get there, we of course need to say a huge thank you to our newest members over at Patreon. When you sign up to our Patreon, not only will you receive all of our episodes both ad-free and before everyone else, but you can also receive exclusive access to our Patreon-only podcast, Dark Bites. Dark Bites releases each and every Sunday of the year without fail, even on the downtime between seasons, meaning you never miss your dark paranormal fix. And there's currently 50 hours worth of back catalogue episodes of Dark Bites, featuring genuine paranormal experiences that have never been included on this main feed that you can go and binge. But the best thing about becoming a Patreon is the community itself. We've built a wonderful community of like-minded paranormal enthusiasts over at Patreon. And we'd love to extend an exclusive invitation just for you. Simply head over to patreon.com forward slash the dark paranormal. Just like the following wonderful new team members have. Renz Kellybrand, Liam, Anna Maxim, Caitlin LaBelle, Sav Carol, Yadira Villalobos, Oscar, Millie Spear, Ed White, Diana, Jesse Coldfelter, Desiree M, Lauren, Sabrina Seaborn, Kate Mary, Kay Cross, Marie Whitehurst, Inkpok God, Brenda Hamaday, Audrey House, Jen B, Rosario, Austin DeLorme, Brittany Taylor, April Dooley, Sir Kia HB II, Cora, Callie Overflowed, Amanda, GK Blacksmithing, Darren W, Kirsty Kivam, and Kim Stewart. Thank you so much, guys, for supporting the show, and I hope you enjoy all the early released episodes and, of course, those Dark Bites episodes each and every week. So, once more, if you'd like to join our team, head over to patreon.com forward slash thedarkparanormal. But right now, it's time to lower those lights, make yourself comfortable, and, most importantly, leave your disbelief at the door as we hear all about... A building fear. My name is Harry. I go by the nickname Hammer, 
as I'm a remodelling contractor by trade. And I feel I've become what people would call someone who's sensitive to the presence of spirits. And I think they can see me too. Any other names you'll hear today have been changed. I've worked in hundreds of homes all across central New Jersey throughout my 20-plus years in the business. During the last 20 years in the business, I've seen and experienced many strange, odd and creepy things that defy explanation, at least in my mind. Many of them, I'm sure, could be explained away as they were brief one-off noises heard at random or eerie feelings alone in an empty house. But some of the occurrences that have happened have left the hair on my neck and arms standing upright, and my mind desperately trying to rationalise what I've experienced. My first experience, however, did not take place on a job site. In fact, it all began when I was around nine or ten years old. You see, I've been interested in the paranormal from a very young age. My mother had collections of books on ghosts and hauntings, which I discovered in grammar school. It was a great childhood. Well, that is until we moved into a house along State Route 36 in the town of Port Monmouth, New Jersey. The house dated back to the 1950s, and I had a number of odd experiences in that house. And one that terrified me so much that now, over 45 years later, I can still vividly recall the experience. I would see shadow figures peeking around the corners, which would duck out of sight when I noticed them. I would hear scratches, tapping noises whilst I was in bed. All of these things could be explained away as an overactive imagination. But one night, I was up way past my bedtime watching a movie with my mother. My little sister was asleep on the sofa next to us. At one point, my mother asked me to go to her bedroom and get a bottle of aspirin for her, which I of course did. I walked down the hall to the two bedrooms at the end. My mother's was on the left and the one I shared with my sister was on the right directly opposite. I quickly went into my mum's room and I found the bottle she asked for on her nightstand. I took it and I walked out, turning the light off behind me. I glanced up at the open door to my room, which was pitch dark, and as I did so, Harold, I distinctly heard a man's voice in a harsh whisper saying my name. Well, I jumped out of my skin and ran back to my mother, who asked me why I was so jumpy. I told her, and she bluntly told me I shouldn't watch any more scary movies on a school night. Well, despite my objections, she made me sleep in that room when it was time for bed. Of course, she did the cursory check in the closet and under the bed to try and make me feel comfortable. But it didn't work. I knew what I heard. But I did my best to hold it all together and be brave. After a few moments, I settled in and started to doze off 
only to have a strange feeling wash over me, like someone was watching me. I opened my eyes and looked towards the door, which was usually only partially closed to allow some light in from the hall, acting as a nightlight. Only now, it was wide open. The hallway light was off, but the hallway was illuminated by a nightlight in the kitchen at the other end of the hall. And there, in my doorway, was a dark, shadowy figure, who was so tall that its head almost touched the top of the doorframe. It was the unmistakable figure of a male in a hat, like a fedora, and I knew it was looking at me. Terrified, I looked up and away from the looming figure, unwilling to look at it, only to see right above my bed, floating a few feet above my head, a wispy white mist, undulating and swirling. Well, I did the only thing a frightened ten-year-old would, and I threw the covers over my head and tried not to scream. My next experience happened at my father's house. My mother and father divorced when I was around five, and so on Sundays I would go and spend the day with my father and my stepmother. They lived in a house in the town of Atlantic Highlands, New Jersey. Now that house, quite literally, was 200 years old. It had two floors and what we call a Yankee basement. Now, I've had several experiences in that house during my early teen years. Mostly footsteps, sometimes a feeling of being watched, or someone pushing past me on the stairs whilst I was either going up or down. The closet door in my bedroom would open and close on its own accord. And I learned from my sister and cousin many years later that they'd seen an apparition of a woman going from room to room on the second floor. As I say, the basement of the house was what they call a Yankee basement, which means it's a shallow hand-dug basement with a dirt floor and low ceiling, with a set of stairs that runs from the landing to the mudroom. My father had a desk under the stairs, and set it out in such a way that if you were sitting at the desk, you could look out between the stair treads at the rest of the basement. My dad had a little workshop down there, a vice, hammers, etc., and some scrap wood. And as a kid, I liked to try and build stuff. I enjoyed being down there, tinkering with things and listening to music, mainly the doors, on Dad's old 8-track player that looked like a dynamite plunger. This was the 1980s, after all. One afternoon, I was in the basement alone, and I was sitting at his desk and drawing something that I wanted to make. No one was home except the dogs, Tasha and Frisky. The house was quiet apart from the music, playing on the dynamite plunger. Riders on the Storm, still one of my favourite songs of all time. I was drawing, and then I felt a chill 
run up my back. My arms and legs tingled. And I had the undeniable feeling of someone standing right behind me, leaning over my right shoulder, almost as if to look at what I was drawing. The only problem was, directly behind me was a solid stone wall. The feeling was uncanny and electrifying. It was that feeling, the feeling you get when you're so close to someone you can almost feel them, even though you aren't touching. I could almost hear breathing in my ear. I freaked out, filled with panic. I jumped up and I ran out of that basement, out of the house and down to the park at the end of the street. I stayed there for what seemed like forever. My mind raced. The memories of the things that had happened at my mother's house flooded my mind, overwhelming me. But I was older now, and therefore able to keep my composure. Besides, I was now a socially awkward teenager, and I didn't want anyone watching me lose it on a playground all by myself. I stayed down there until Dad's car pulled around the corner, and then I walked back to the house. After that, not much else happened. I graduated high school in 86, and I joined the US Army. I served my time, got out, and started a family. In 97, I left my wife after discovering photos of her and another man in the house. Eventually, my two daughters and I needed financial help, and we were forced to move back home to New Jersey, where I got into the construction trade. I'll fast forward to about 2010, and I'm now an established lead carpenter working for a company here in central New Jersey. I have had dozens of odd experiences that have occurred in and around people's homes, mainly when I was working alone or with only one or two guys. I've heard giggling and footsteps when I knew no one was home. I've had a plethora of banging noises, doors closing. I even heard the sound of sliding furniture in a completely unfurnished house. But all of these things were one-time events that may or may not have a rational explanation. But one job in particular comes to mind. It was in the town of Red Bank, and the house was owned by a realtor named Nancy Smith, a divorced realtor in her late 60s who lived alone in her single-level three-bedroom home. The house was kind of an L-shape with an attached garage, an all-red brick exterior, a courtyard behind the garage and a sizable yard surrounded by trees, oaks, maples, etc. If I had to guess, I'd say it was built around the 60s. The basement was finished but used mainly for storage, but it was like walking back in time to the 70s. At the bottom of the stairs and to the right, you found yourself in a wide open space with a full-sized wet bar in front of a mirrored wall. The bar was littered with random boxes, artwork, books and other items, the creepiest of which 
was a random collection of old dolls' heads. My initial experience in this house was on the main floor. The house had been crowded with contractors all day, coming and going to finish their part of the job. It was a warm Friday afternoon, so by about 3pm everything had settled down. All of the other contractors had left for the weekend, and I was alone in the house, finishing up some drywall repairs. I was in the kitchen by the back door, sweeping up. As I was cleaning up, I noticed a tall man walk in through the front door, walk past the kitchen doorway and down the hall. I don't remember hearing the door open or close, though. I didn't think anything of it. Since there were so many people in and out of here more than an hour ago, I figured it was just another contractor. I did, however, find it odd that he didn't even acknowledge me or say hi. I was done cleaning up, so I put the broom down and went to find the guy so I could ask him to lock up when he left. Hello, I called out as I walked into the hallway and found it empty. I got no reply. Hello, I called out again. Again, nothing. I walked down the hall, looking in both guest rooms and found nothing. I walked into the master bedroom, walking around the big bed, checked the master bathroom. Again, nothing. No one was here. Where the hell did he go? I asked myself under my breath. There are no doors that lead outside in that part of the house, so it was impossible for him to leave the house, unless he climbed out of a window. I walked back up to the front of the house and looked outside to see if there was a vehicle out there, but only my van was in the driveway. I instantly felt cold, a chill running right through me. I know I saw someone walk in. My heart was pounding in my chest. I quickly gathered up my tools, all the while feeling like there was someone in that house with me, watching me. When I was done, I packed the van and was ready to leave. When I took a deep breath and decided to confront whatever it was I saw. I don't know why, it was like an adrenaline rush. I wasn't necessarily scared. I've always understood that the spirits of the dead are, or were, real living people at one time. So that's how I've always tried to communicate with them, as if they were still alive. I went through the house one last time, just to make sure all the windows were closed and locked, and then I went and stood by the open front door and simply started addressing the empty house in front of me. I know that you know that I saw you walk down the hall, I said plainly. I just want you to know I mean no harm. I'm only here to fix the place up, then I'll leave you in peace. I got no reply. If you can, could you close a door or something? Just anything to let me know you're here. I asked, hoping for some kind of response. Nothing. I just want to know I'm not losing my mind, 
I said out loud, after a moment or two of silent listening. Knock on a wall, close a door, anything. Please, and I'll leave you be and I'll go away. I waited, still holding the open front door, and once again was met with nothing but... Suddenly, I heard a door slam shut at the back of the house. I nearly jumped out of my skin. My whole body tingled, and I struggled to not freak out. It sounded to me like the master bathroom door slamming. It slammed so hard, I heard a small wooden sign that was hanging on the door fall and land on the wooden floor. Thank you, I said nervously whilst backing out of the front door. I'll be back Monday. I closed and locked that door. I initially felt fear when that door slammed, but it was quickly replaced with fascination. Over the next couple of weeks, as we finished the job, I could not stop thinking about the events that took place that Friday afternoon. And I couldn't help but feel an unshakable sense of whoever or whatever that was, was still around watching me. Let's have a quick break to talk to you about Policy Genius. Now, we all like to put off life insurance talk because it reminds us of our mortality. But life insurance isn't about death, it's about life. It's about ensuring the lives of those you love remain secure and comfortable. And I'm sure many of you will think, well, I'm covered through work or I'm covered through my bank account. But believe me, you want to check those finer details because you may be surprised what you're actually covered for. And this is exactly where Policy Genius come into their own. Yes, we could talk about how Policy Genius is America's leading online insurance marketplace or how their award-winning agents will walk you step by step through the entire process. But the best thing about Policy Genius for me is they don't have a dog in the fight. They're not going to strong arm you towards one company or another. They've no incentive to do so. Their only incentive is to listen to your needs, scour America's top companies, and find you the best price. For example, with Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that begin at just $292 per year for $1 million of coverage. Some options even offer same day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. There's a reason why Policy Genius has thousands of five star reviews on Google and Trustpilot, and you'll find out what it is when you tick life insurance off your to do list with Policy Genius. So head over to policygenius.com or click the link in the description to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you can save. That's policygenius.com. The following summer, we ended up going back there to do some exterior work. And something happened whilst we were there that still sticks with me today. We were there to repair some damage to the roof on the side of the house. Squirrels had chewed a hole through the trim board behind the gutter. Don't ask me how. And they'd gotten into the attic space and made a nest. The customer had gotten pest control to chase the squirrels off. But now we needed to fix the damage. We decided to pull down that section of gutter and replace the whole thing with PVC so it wouldn't leak or rot and it wouldn't be that easy for rodents to get back in. I was working with a guy named Kyle at the time, and he and I carefully took down the gutter and ripped the remainder of the damaged trim board, which turned out was also badly waterlogged. Most of it fell apart in our hands, and the damage to the rafter tails was obvious. 
and we needed to repair those rafters. So we had something to nail the new trimboard to when we hung it. So I made a list, and I sent Kyle out to the lumberyard to pick it up, whilst I continued to clean and denail the area we were working on. At this point, no one was home. The homeowner was gone for the day, and the house was locked up. Though we did have a key for when we needed to use the bathroom. After maybe 15 minutes, I'd finished pulling all the nails from the rafter tails and climbed down. I walked over to my van, pulled out a garbage bag and started to clean up where we were working when I caught a glimpse of someone disappearing around the corner. I didn't think anything of it, and I walked over thinking I would actually see someone standing there, looking at the mess we'd been making. But to my surprise, no one was there. The memory of the apparition I had seen did cross my mind. But I honestly didn't think it was that. I figured maybe it was a lawn maintenance guy. So I blew it off and began filling up the garbage bag by hand. As I was cleaning up, I bent down to pick up some debris, and I caught a glimpse of a face in the window of the door. I stopped, staring right up at the window, and saw... nothing. Now I was starting to get spooked. Kyle returned with the wood that we needed, so we finished the job, and we wrapped up around 4pm. Kyle left in his truck, and I sat in mine for a moment to write down my hours. When I finished, I began to pull away, and as I did, I looked at the house one last time, and saw the distinct shape of a person standing in the dining room window, watching me. It freaked me out, but then I had a quick thought Maybe we've accidentally locked someone in the house. That's how real the figure looked. I threw the truck in park to get out and investigate, but the figure was gone. I was now really getting weirded out and said to myself, to hell with that. If someone is in there, they can let themselves out. We didn't go back to that house for a few more months. But the homeowner called us out once more. Ms. Smith was selling the house and moving to Florida, and she wanted us to fix the floor in the basement. This meant ripping up the existing flooring, installing a new linoleum floor, replacing a number of tiles, basically general repairs, so that it would look nice for potential buyers. We estimated the work would keep us there for around a week. From the very first day, I could sense whatever I'd experienced the last time. It was back. It hovered down there like a cloud, heavy and thick. There wasn't a day that went by that I did not feel its presence. Even Kyle felt it. He mentioned how heavy and dark the basement felt on several occasions. At one point, I even snuck in and set up a camcorder to record the big room where the bar was, hoping to catch any goings-on outside of the rooms where we were working. 
Homeowners don't like hearing that you're seeing ghosts in their homes, so I generally don't talk to them about anything I experience. After that first couple of days, we would hear footsteps upstairs, and we would think it was our boss coming to check on us. Sometimes it was, but sometimes it wasn't. And when he wouldn't come downstairs, we would go up and find an empty house. And Kyle would ask smugly, Is that your ghost? All I could do is shrug. Probably, I'd say. And then we'd go back to work. I still have a bunch of photos and videos that I've never found the time to sit and look through. Maybe I'll take the time soon and force myself to sit through it all. Another job I was on took place in a house in Huber Woods Park, New Jersey. Now this house was built prior to the American Revolution, and it stands on several acres within the park itself. The house was a colonial-style house that had a few wings added on over the years, and it was very well-maintained. It was heavily decorated in what looked to be a style similar to what may have existed in the 1700s. The woman who lived there was in her mid-sixties, and her husband worked in the city. They occupied the opposite end of the house, so they gave us the code for the garage and said we could come and go as we please. So, as we worked, this was my routine. I would go in through the garage... I'd lay out all the tarps, from the garage door to the kitchen, up a really neat set of spiral stairs to the second floor, down the hall to the small bathroom in the hallway. The door to that bathroom stood out, as it was handmade, with a wrought iron latch and a thumb latch on the outside like a gate. The first few weeks of the job went by quietly, as we ripped out the old bathroom and tore out some of the interior walls and placed in the frame for a sauna. The first bit of activity happened the day after we hung the drywall, whilst we replaced the old windows. It was about 8am, and I'd just arrived and laid out all of the tarps. I went upstairs to rip out the windows to get ready for the boss, who was bringing the new windows. It was a brisk December day, and we had just a few weeks to get this job wrapped up before Christmas. I began ripping out the first window on the left side of the room. I'd gotten the lower sash out and was working on breaking free the upper sash, which had been painted shut over the... I heard the latch on the door, and the door opened. A woman's voice came from the doorway. Thinking the homeowner had stepped in to say hello, I turned around to say hi. And the room was empty. Even the door was still closed and latched. I froze as a chill ran through me. I questioned myself over and over about what just happened. I didn't have any radios playing, so it wasn't that. And I was certain of what I heard. Eventually, the boss showed up and the thought of the experience was forgotten, at least for a while. After the boss left, I was alone to continue the work, 
and the entire time I felt a really heavy, ominous presence. Not necessarily threatening, more darkly inquisitive. Like someone bothered by the noise. But as the day went on, it got too much for me, and I eventually stopped what I was doing and said out loud something to the effect of, Listen, I'm sorry if I've disturbed you, but we are here simply to update and improve your home. If you leave me to work, I'll get it done and I'll go away. Well, the rest of the job went uneventfully. Another experience I had as a builder was a house in the middle of the woods, in Middleton. I won't mention the people whose house it was, of course, but I will say that the man of the house was someone who liked to tinker. He had a very interesting collection of handmade prop weapons and gizmos, made of copper and steel, things coiled with wire, and real functioning gears with steampunk-type things. Well, we were there to remodel the dining room, install a new bay window. It was a lot of work, as we had to work around all of their furniture. Then we had to drywall the dining room and spackle it, which took a few days. And then the bay window arrived. That's always a big day, and sometimes a long day especially if the window is bigger than the hole. Fortunately for us, the new window was slightly smaller than the two double-hung windows that were originally there. A little framing, and we were ready for the new window. So, on the morning of Bay Window Day, Casey and I prepped to rip out the old windows and prep the hole for the new one. As he started ripping out the old windows... I pulled my numbers to triple-check the new window would fit. Whilst I was in the garage measuring the new window, I saw movement to my left. But I didn't see anything when I turned to look. I figured it was just Casey or someone else walking around. When I was done, I went back up to help Casey remove the windows. As I did, I looked beyond Casey and noticed someone was standing amongst the trees near the deck of the house we were working on. But when I shifted my gaze to see who it was, the figure disappeared. I went back to work, thinking my eyes were playing tricks on me. After about an hour, the old windows were out and loaded into the dump truck in the driveway. As we were talking, I noticed movement once more out of the corner of my left eye. I saw a man on the ground walk past the ladder behind Casey, but he never came out the other side. I looked at Casey, and when he looked back, Casey had a confused look on his face. What? I asked, trying to play it off, as Casey looked over both shoulders, trying to see whatever it was I was clearly concerned about. What the hell are you looking at? He asked in a disturbed tone. We talked about me seeing spirits before, but this was the first time he was present for an incident. I found it humorous. I've seen this guy, I said. Twice now. The first time, he was stood over in the woods by the deck, watching you climb the ladder. 
and right now, he just walked across the patio behind you. He walked past the foot of the ladder and disappeared. You are kidding me, he replied, his eyes as big as saucers. Nope, I said as I went back to wrapping the window. I get the feeling he's interested in what we're doing to the house. Probably a former owner. Sometimes I get a sense of who the people are, or were, and the mood they seem to be in. This particular spirit made me feel like he was curious about what we were doing to the house. The next day we spent mostly indoors. The homeowners had left for the day, and it was just Casey and I working inside. I noticed that figure several times throughout the day. Just glimpses, really. Glimpses through a window out of the corner of my eye, and he'd be there, among the trees, just standing and staring. Well, I'm going to wrap it up there. There are more incidents that have taken place in my home since then, and things still happen from time to time, usually around All Hallows' Eve or Halloween. When the veil is sincerely at its thinnest, if you enjoyed the retelling of my experiences, maybe I'll submit a second, shorter instalment about the experiences in my home. The spirits I'm told reside here, and what I believe was a demonic attack on myself after a series of tragic events put me in a really dark mental place. I'm grateful that thus far I've not been kicked, pushed or scratched. But then again, I have learned over the years that the spirits of those who've gone before us were people just like us. And if you treat them with respect and sympathy, maybe they'd be more inclined to return the favour. Harry the Hammer Taylor well, thank you so much, Harry, for submitting the series of experiences that you've encountered over the course of your career. For full disclosure, Harry even included an apology in case this experience wasn't as terrifying as others that we featured. And yes, maybe there was no demonic possession, but you still did encounter what appears to be a hat man, poltergeist activity, swirling mists, oppressive behaviours spirit stalking, and whatever that thing was that growled to you from your bedroom. So, all in all, I think there's no need to apologise here, Harry. I ask for genuine paranormal experiences. Now, they can't all be devil-inducing experiences. I will say, hand on heart, I receive around maybe five or six emails per week where someone tries to convince me they were possessed by the devil themselves. And from these demonic possession stories that I receive, I believe a lot of them are stories, not actual experiences, and therefore maybe 5% of these type of experiences actually make the show. Next week, for our midpoint episode, episode 5, the halfway point, we have one of those experiences. But for now, we'll wrap up episode 4 of season 14. 
For our Patreons, I'll speak to you again on Sunday for another instalment of Dark Bites. And for everyone, I'll see you again on Wednesday for another instalment of a mini-sode before we reach that midpoint of Season 14. Until then, remember, when you're discussing the paranormal, always try and leave some of your disbelief at the door. And I'll see you next time, right here on The Dark Paranormal.